Hello, everybody. It's another exciting edition of Gaming and Leisure Voice. My name is John Cash Phillippe, and I'm your show host today. And we are talking to Mike Day, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Uh, of course, this is the Legends of Gaming series. And I, when I think of Mike, I think legend um, because uh, he has done more for the uh, tribal gaming space than most uh, most people I know. Uh, and I really, uh, I'm really excited to have him on this show. But before I get into it any further, um, I'm going to read a little bit from our sponsor. That's Core AI. Uh, Core AI is recognized as a global leader in enterprise conversational AI platform and solutions, helping enterprises automate business, voice, and digital interactions that deliver extraordinary experiences for their customers, contact center agents, and employees worldwide. More than 200 global, 2,000 companies trust Core AI's experience optimization platform and industry solutions to automate their interactions and achieve extraordinary outcomes for over 200 million users worldwide. Visit Core. So with that being said, uh, definitely visit those guys over at Core. They're great people. Uh, but let's get to uh, Mike Day. Mike, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh let's start there i mean why we have this opportunity to glean some of your experience and wisdom sure thanks uh not sure um i like the legend that sounds kind of old to me <laughs> title but uh thanks john and and uh yeah i am currently yeah well, i'll tell you a little bit currently because i think we're going to get into a little bit of background here but currently i'm uh, the executive officer for tribal hub so tribal hub is the largest community of technology-minded uh, leaders from tribes all across the u.s so it is very much focused as you said uh, initially here on native american communities and especially native american gaming and hospitality so i think that's what we're going to talk about but it's an organization I started 25 years ago, and I've been in the CIO tech business for well over 35 years now. So maybe that's maybe it's just length of time that gets you the legendary status. But it's good to talk to you today, John. Great. I that's a a light introduction to a very long career. I know that I first ran into you uh, when I was at Bally's, and you were at Cannery if I remember right. So uh, uh, such a long, long time ago, and maybe it is just time that makes us legends, but uh, the truth is you have done uh, a great deal of work with the um, with the tribal gaming industry, um, and you've kind of seen the industry grow up, you know, uh, over the years. I mean, you said 35 years, and 35 years, this industry has changed. Can you just kind of give us your perspective on what's changed the most and what you've seen alter throughout the uh throughout the year or 35 years yeah long well a lot has changed just technology in and of itself the the massive changes in you know that today it's almost unthinkable what we're able to do compared to when i started in my career so you know i'll go back a few years and sort of shed a little light on a few of uh, the things that I've experienced. And I, I think some people might find it interesting. So I started in 1988 working for uh, the end of 1988, 
for Sault Ste. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians, little tiny tribe uh, at that point, um, I shouldn't say little tiny tribe, they had a lot of members, but they didn't have a ton of infrastructure things happening at that point in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which is way up beyond the hand in the little peninsula that often gets left off maps right next to Canada. So I had just gotten out of college. Uh, I am getting married. Uh, I decided to take a job with a tribe and I had a degree in management information systems and little did I know what I was about to get myself into. Because that's right at the time that IGRA was being passed. And if uh, anybody listening doesn't know, it's the Indian Gaming Reorganization Act. And that was uh, that was what made gaming legal for tribes. Uh, and that, I believe it was right at the end of 88. So as I'm started working for this tribe, which had very few employees, 100 or less at that time, um, things were just really getting going with the ability to get into gaming and hospitality as, as, as it turned out. So uh, I was there through a lot of growth. A lot of things happened with that tribe. 17 years later, when I was, uh, when I was leaving, um, there was close to 5,000 employees, a Detroit casino in the first off reservation, five Kuwaitan casinos, uh, I think eight or nine hotels at that time. And lots of other things were happening with health, social services, it was a tribal organization. But here I was a kid who started out of uh, university who had to build this without really any roadmap or uh, anybody else to look at and say, what are you doing and how are you doing it? And now just take you back a little bit because we're talking about technology changes in here. There was no internet back then. I mean, it's hard to believe that. Just but can you imagine a world without internet, John, these days? <laughs> I mean, we were using uh, Novell networking. People don't even know what that is anymore. I am uh, actually I, a certified uh a CNE, a certified Novell engineer. Oh, believe yeah. it or not. So, so you remember, right? Yes, so I you're, do. <laughs> you're, you must be approaching legendary status yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, right. Well, IBM and Big Blue was they they owned gaming and hospitality. So if you were in gaming and hospitality, you were using IBM equipment back then. Microsoft had no foothold in gaming back in 88. It was pretty much all run on System 36, the 400, AS 400, which became the I series was just coming out. We were still buying uh computers, workstations that were just green green, dumb terminals. Everything was connected with coax back then. Uh, storage was almost nine. If you had a 10 meg hard drive, you were buying something that was amazing new technology back then. And, you know, programs were still mostly written in RPG and COBOL, things that sound archaically old now, but this is just you know, it's one career away. But the massive amount of change where very few of those things exist in today's uh, casinos and hotels. It's amazing. It's amazing the the shift that we went through, and what happened uh, over this time frame. So, really, um, really a big, a massive amount of change in what is really just a single person's career. I think before that we had not seen that sort of exponential technology change. And it's only getting quicker. So I'm wondering, uh, this next generation, I'm not quite sure how they're going to deal with it, but it's changing very fast now, uh, as you and I both know. Yeah, no, I mean, the growth has been amazing in this industry. And I know for us, it feels, uh, it, when you're in it, it feels like you're standing still. But when you look back, it what we have, what's happened in the last 20, 30 years has been 
crazy uh, the amount of change we've dealt with um, in this industry from coin to tickets to you name it yeah. in platforms. I mean, risk 6,000s are what I used, and that was the, the stuff to have back then. And all of the solutions too, John, have changed so drastically. Just a, a real quick, yeah, I didn't really talk much about applications and solutions, but when we were putting in, anybody who was putting in systems in the uh, um, you know 90s and early 2000s, it was you and it was the accounting team primarily. Marketing wasn't much engaged. It was you trying to make sure that reports actually foot, that they added up correctly, <laughs> that uh, the software actually worked so it wasn't that it was, you know, maybe even dependable and that it would fail now and that it actually just didn't work. It didn't do what it was. Uh, they were still developing it. So there's a lot of holes, a lot of things that we we take for granted today that were developed in that time. We spent an enormous amount of time just trying to get things that were working. And, and we were all, all of us in this industry were a part of creating the things that we take for granted today and say, well, that must have always been there. Well, no, it wasn't. We had, we had to create a lot of these things, programs, otherwise features that are that are in a lot of the software today that we take for granted. Now, I can tell you that, you know, systems change. We, we know that it's a, a thing, but people change too. Uh, and that, and over the last you know, 35 years, how, how has it in your opinion or your, your experience, uh, how much has leadership changed over that time in leading teams? Well, leadership, that's a really broad question, but, but I'll answer it in a, maybe a couple of ways. Some of the core things in leadership that have always been necessary are still necessary. Uh, you still, you still got to be a great communicator. You still, um, you know, have to pay attention to your your people. You still have to understand that treating people equally does not actually mean treating people the same because people don't need the same things. I mean, that's a really big piece of what I've I've learned and try to share with everybody who I've tried to bring up as a manager. I think that's a key key piece of it is understanding that people are different. And they are changing drastically. Uh, when I was growing up, I mean, I, I've been employed almost, almost 100%. I, I might even be able to say 100% of the time since I was probably 13 years old, starting with a paper route. That was fairly normal. It was somewhat normal, at least. People, that's just how things happen. Uh, I had a, several jobs while I was in college and other things. My kids didn't grow up, and I have five kids, by the way, out there. So speaking <laughs> not from a little bit of experience here, and, and I'm not sure what my grandkids will see, but when I look at the world today, people didn't grow up the same way. They don't look at things the same way. Uh, they don't have the same backgrounds. They don't have the same understanding. So when you're dealing with them at a management level, you have to understand a bit about where they came from. Uh, some of it and, and I'd say we're all a part of how we were raised, where we came from, what was the world like when we were when we were growing up. Uh, we were not nearly connected. I started out saying the internet didn't exist, and today it's there. You want to know something, you Google it. You you have instant gratification of information. You have uh, people who have less connection with other humans and more using technology, and all of this stuff factors into how you manage people and, and what you're doing. But but on top of all of that, I think what made a great manager and has always made a great manager, a lot of those things 
uh, I believe are still, they're still the same. But the growth of understanding who you're working with and how to work with them effectively is what changed. Uh, you still have to have a lot of the same skill sets you've always had to have, but technology and maybe an understanding of the difference in people is where the biggest change has been in my in my opinion. No, that's that's fantastic. I, I like that you bring up the core is still there because there's so much that we try to get so fancy about leadership sometimes and work around if there is just some real good core skills that never change, that are solid, the right. communication yeah. and that type of thing. And I love the technology piece because I can tell you right now, I can't tell you my mother's phone number. I don't know it. I don't. And it used to be you had to remember all these numbers in your head. Now I, I couldn't tell you. I just tell my phone and it tells me what it is. So, yeah. Well, you know, John, I mean, we were talking about behind, there was no cell phone. <laughs> Even Blackberry was coming up many years in the future from when I started. And most people probably still don't even know what Blackberry is today, especially the younger generation. And that was what we all thought we'd never get rid of before we moved to cell phones and other than iPhones and everything else that has come out in, uh, <laughs> in today. So there's it's just a really massive change of how we consume and, and interact with each other. And, and that changes people and you have to have an understanding of it. So to depart from that a little bit, let's get back to the industry itself. What trends, I mean, with everything you've seen and, and people and the technology and just the industry itself and the tribal aspect of it, what trends do you see uh going forward yeah so that's i figured you're going to ask me this question this is an interesting question because this <laughs> is difficult i think one of the things john that that i don't really know the answer to but i think this is a difference maker over time we've all watched as things have gotten we call it more engaging but i think it's more things happening at one time People right now like to consume multiple things. They want sound, they want video, they want action, they want all sorts of things that are happening. Maybe there's stimulation and how they're gaming. And we do that in all of our properties. You see fancier lights and more video and, and all sorts of things that are happening with them. But I think the real question, especially as we're moving more into virtual reality and things that can happen where where we can create these worlds in virtual reality or we can do all sorts of things with artificial intelligence is really what happens? Do people require physical interaction? Do they require human connection or human relationships? Do they? Can technology replace that? To me, as we move into the future and what we're looking at, and especially with virtual reality and other pieces, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But to me, I think that is, that's sort of the turning point. The turning point of where we're going in the future is, can technology replace that piece of it? I believe that, that that's a necessity. I believe that's why physical casinos are still producing far more than online, even though online is available in a lot of markets. I believe that's why people still go to places and want to go to places and there's some interaction. But maybe technology has an advance to the piece where they can fill that gap. And will it do it? I don't know. 
Uh, actually, in my own opinion, if I have a vote, I hope it doesn't, right? For my kids' sake, for my grandkids' sake, for everybody, I'm a technologist. And I, I, I think there's a human piece to this that we have to hope stays there and will always be there. But that's sort of a futuristic view of what's happening with technology. Can it replace that connection with either it's a physical device or being in a place, the smells, the sound, all of it that goes together, really maybe meeting some new people and some relationships or going with somebody else and enjoying that with them. Um, you know, you and I, you and I have been in technology for a long time, and we know there are solutions that are looking to be able to do that. And, you know, some are especially in virtual reality and other pieces, but will it get to that point in the future? I, I you know, I, I don't know truly, and quite frankly, I kind of hope not, but I know there's a lot of smart people that are working trying to make that happen, John. So, but could that is a potential future certainly for it, but I'm hoping that humans as they always have will kind of resist. One of the good news, uh, great news here though, is that, uh, you know, gambling is gambling. It's been here for forever, it's, you know, one of the oldest vices in the world. So I think that piece of it, especially in this uh, industry, is that people like to take chances. They like risk. They like the opportunity to do these things. So I think it, you know this industry really benefits from having that be almost core to what humans are. But that also sort of begs the question of what I said, is that interaction and other piece just as core and will that be maintained? You know? Uh, I need somebody with a smarter PhD in psychology than me maybe to talk about that. But I do think when we're talking technology, that's really that's really the tipping point is how how do people overcome that? That's awesome. And normally I would say this is what I call crystal ball time. I have a crystal ball. <laughs> okay. And uh, you know, the well, I guess my last question for you today is in the future and looking forward because i know you talk to trends and technology things like that what's the future of tribal gaming do you think um going forward yeah so i believe you know i i believe tribal gaming will will continue to thrive uh i think the way it was created and the benefits that it's provided to states as well as individual tribal nations has been uh, positive. I think it's been positive for everybody who's been involved in it at this point. I think they will continue to try and fight off other commercial folks who are trying to um, basically get a part of some of those markets. I think that's a natural progression. I don't think that changes, but I do think we'll see that. I, I hope, you know, I hope as we start to break down some of the state by state things that we will see tribes start to work together on on ventures. You know, my my big thing for the future here, especially if we're talking about what's happening online and and dealing with online gaming and some other uh, pieces, I think tribes by working together have a lot of opportunity that is completely untapped right now. Uh, there's just not been a lot of that. Tribes even working together within straight in states, I should say, has been uh, has been difficult to achieve because you have you know separate organizations that that each are trying to take care of their own nation people. But if they put all of the power and all of the resources and everything that they're able to do individually or even with states and start to combine those, 
I think you have something that is far greater than what they are individually. And, uh, you know, my hope is that tribes will, will not only see that, but overcome some of the hurdles that are blocking them from doing that. And I think they can do far more and be uh, expand gaming even more, quite frankly, gaming, hospitality, and a lot of other things that they're able to do. But working together is a big piece of it. And that's hard. It's hard to do, right? It's very difficult. It's difficult uh, for any any group, whether it's commercial or whether it's tribal nations, other other places to to put that together. But if they do it, the benefit is there. Yeah, no, being competitors competitors in any industry is pretty natural, and then asking competitors to work together sometimes is even even more difficult. Uh, and uh, in the tribal nation, um, when you have two tribes just down the road from each other fighting for customers, it's it's difficult to get everybody on uh, to want to you know yeah. to work together. But I think there's you're right. The benefits going to continue to uh, right. you know get better and better as uh, as they uh, expand into uh, different areas. Yeah, maybe an example is uh, Powerball Mega Millions, right? So when it was state by state, it would only get so large. Look at it now. Look at it now. Look at the people across the nation who suddenly, because we've come, all the states have come, or a vast majority of them come together. They don't all do lotto, but those that have decided, hey, let's let's turn this into something bigger. Well, you know, they get more dollars out of me when it hits a billion dollars or whatever, right? So. Yeah, I think that same type of model that is that's possible in other organizations when they look, they look to work together. That's absolutely true. Hey, I'm the first to admit I buy the ticket. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, whenever yeah. it hits, whenever it hits a billion, I think it's worth a dollar. You know, definitely. That's, if you, that's yeah. exactly right. Economy of scale, right there. But it, it what it took was somebody to say we can do this together instead of no, oh, no, it's just my tax dollars. It's just my thing. This will hurt it, right? When they move that stuff out of the way, boom, you were able to take this to a whole nother level. Perfect. Well, Mike, that's all the time we have for the show today. Uh, and it's been it's been awesome talking to you. I always come away with so much more every time we have discussions. And, you know, you and I, we could probably do this for an hour and a half without even stopping to breathe. <laughs> so it's it's a great, great having you on the show. Any final thoughts? No, I just really appreciate the time, John. And, uh, you know, next time we do it, we'll have to do it over a cocktail or something somewhere. But I really appreciate uh, the time and, you know, the legendary status. That's you know, <laughs> great. It's wonderful. But, uh, you know, thank you for the time today and always happy to talk and good to good to talk to you. Mike, you are always a humble guy. I love that about you. When Thank you, everyone, for watching. This is John Cash Philippi with GNL Voice uh, signing off. Have a good one.